wilderness to do all good works. So we're to learn from the Old Testament. Paul, in fact, told the church in Rome, for whatever things were written before, what was written before? The Old Testament, yeah. They were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures. Oh, amen. Don't you get comfort when you read the Scriptures? And, the, and they give you a patience that you wouldn't have. It says, of the Scriptures might have hope. So in the reading of the Scriptures, and as Pastor Michael says, when they leap off of the pages and into the transcripts of our heart, they displace our fears with comfort and with patience. Likewise, the Old Testament points us to Jesus himself, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Jesus rebuked the religious Jews because he said, y'all haven't even searched the scriptures. and You haven't seen that I was in there, okay? The prediction of his coming was all throughout Jewish scriptures, and yet it went unheeded. So let's look first now at Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, if you would please open your Bibles. And we're going to delve into God's word and look at this judge named Gideon. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. They dug holes for themselves. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east, would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. Wow. So what is this evil that Israel had done? I want to talk about it for a second. You know, we read that over and over and over in the book of Judges, and the book of Judges really tells us that there is a certain cycle to sin. And I want to just refresh y'all's memory from the last three or four months of teaching. God entered into a permanent covenant with Israel that we call the Abrahamic covenant. And in that covenant, he gave them the title deed, among many things, to what is Israel now in the Middle East. Okay, it belonged to them. But he attached with that later in what was called the Mosaic covenant a list of conditions in possessing it. Not owning it, but possessing it. I can own my home down on Stickerbush but I don't possess it right now. It's leased out to someone else. I don't have any legal right to go there, okay? But I still own it. Do you understand? And that's kind of what it was with Israel. They owned the land, but when they weren't obedient to the Lord, then they no longer had possession of the land. And I wanted to remind you all that we are neither under the Abrahamic covenant. We didn't receive a, a land. We didn't receive Whitehall somehow in the in the Bible, okay? And we're not under the Mosaic covenant, meaning there's not a number of conditions and things that we have to do to go to heaven, okay? We are under what some call the covenant of grace. We see that in Ephesians 8, 2, 8 and 9. It's by grace that we're saved and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, not of things that we've done, lest any man should boast, okay? So what they had done is they had stopped obeying the, the duties and the promises that they had made in the Mosaic covenant. And they do this over and over. They begin worshiping gods other than the God Yahweh, okay? They would, were attracted over and over to the gods of those peoples that surrounded them. So the consequences of living in disobedience for us is we don't lose our salvation, but what I say, the fruit production stops. 
And when the fruit of the Spirit stops in your life, you no longer have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Those all go out the window. You follow me? So we have consequences for sin, not in losing our salvation. I want to make that real clear. Tim is not here today for me to beat up on Tim. But Tim just has trouble from his old Nazarene background believing that we can still sin and be Christians. We can. We can and we end up being unhappy and being unjoyful because we get wrapped up again in things that we ought not to be doing, although that doesn't affect our salvation. Let's go on now, and let's look at Judges 6, 5 through 6, and what's going on. For they would come up. We're talking about the Midianites. They came up with their, would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished, because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Basically, they were being plundered. And I thought about this. If everyone, if some foreign group of people showed up here in Whitehall, and I'm putting it to those of us who are farmers and ranchers, and just came in and helped themselves to all the horses in my stalls, took all the livestock away, stripped Sandy's garden clean, uh, we would feel so violated. And, and I think it makes it real for us to understand that. And that's what was happening to Israel. They would go through all this effort to grow a garden. And what if, Cassandra, every time you grew a garden, you went inside to get something, you came back out, there was 10 people out there picking everything in your garden. That's the situation they were in. And it brought them so, so low, they just felt abandoned. It's a picture, really, I think, of hitting rock bottom. And when we're really at rock bottom, all of our scheming, all of our manipulating, all of our orchestrating goes out the window. I'm saying that we have all the scheming and orchestrating, and I've talked with people over the holidays that got wrapped up in all kinds of things. Well, God's telling me to do this, and really it was their ego, perhaps, that was telling them to do these things. And all that ends up coming to an end when we get out, when we get into disobedience instead of obedience. The horses disappear, the cows disappear. I'm, I'm trying to bring an analogy to what happens in our own lives. It's just like it all gets ransacked and it comes off the rails. I thought about this and I thought about David when he really came to a point of repentance and he finally gave up on himself, which happened again and again with David. I love this song, or it's a song that Sandy used to sing. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me. That means he leaned over to me. He heard my cry. He brought me out, up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He's, if you've ever been in black gumbo out here that's wet, you know what miry clay is. He set my feet on a rock, and he established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in God, trust in the Lord. I just put that in there because that was David hitting rock bottom and kind of giving us a pattern of us crying out to the Lord. He promises he'll never leave us or forsake us. He will come back, but sometimes we pay consequences for the sins that we engage in. The problems we get ourselves into are so many. Judges 6, 8 through 10. So then God sends a prophet. Okay, this is the first thing where I see some evidence of Gideon's fear. The Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who have oppressed you, and drove them out before you, and gave you their land. Also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. 
Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. I think it's interesting that the prophet tells them that the Midianites are not their problem. What is their problem? They're not listening to the Lord. Their problem is disobedience. So many times we'll have problems that come into our own life. And the problem isn't really that problem that we think it is. It's the fact that we've not listened to the voice of God and we've not obeyed the voice of God even more importantly. I said this, not always, but most of the time we are the problem. One of my biggest problems when couples come to me for marital counseling, they've got this big problem, is getting people to see that much of the problem is them. You know, we always want to point the finger and blame somebody else for the problems that come into our lives. But most of the time, and I say most of the time, because sometimes problems come into our life that just are not our own problem. A spouse might go out and get on drugs, or, and we have nothing to do with that. But a lot of our problems just are our own making. At least, let's put it this way, Faber-McMullen's problems, many of them are of his own making. I remember when I was called to pastor here, it's like I had, Sandy asked me one time, how many tractors do you have? And I go, gosh, I don't know. I've got to sit and think about it. All I know is I had more batteries and more tires and more wiring harnesses and anything that I could keep up with. And I had to begin shedding some things off to get myself into a point to be an effective minister to do the things that God wanted me to do now. And Michael and I were talking about it today. It just, it just, it kind of runs counter to us when we've tried to accumulate stuff our whole life to start throwing some stuff away, getting the closet cleaned out, so to speak. And I, I didn't need, and I still don't need it just a spring cleaning. I need spring cleaning, fall cleaning, winter cleaning, summer cleaning. And some of you all may relate to that. So let's go on. So first, a prophet gets sent. And then let's look at verses 11 and 12 and see who God now sends. Now, the angel of the Lord. Have we heard of angel of the Lord before? Who is the angel of the Lord? Who do we think the angel of the Lord might be? An appearance of Christ before he was born. So I'm going to just jump out here and say this was Christ before he was born, or the second person of the Trinity, has a personal visit with Gideon, okay? The angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth, that's an oak tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Ebezrite. And while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press. Why was he in a wine press threshing wheat? It says here, in order to hide it from the Midianites. So he's down in this hole in the ground threshing wheat. So we get the first hint that Gideon is a guy that's got fears and insecurities. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And is that the end of that? Yeah, mighty man of valor. So we see some interesting things here. We see this visit from the angel of the Lord. We see Gideon fearful of the enemy. And we see God, we see the angel of the Lord coming to him and visiting him saying, even in the midst of his fear, Gideon, you're a man of valor. And I think there's a lot of truth for us in that as well. We get eaten up by our own fears and insecurities. We feel like the enemy's going to overrun us. And what does the Bible say to us about us being overcomers? Remember two or three weeks ago? Remember this? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. And we looked at the, it was, we looked at the Greek word, and it, it was hyper-victorious. In all these things, 
We are more than conquerors. We are hyper-victorious through him who loves us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Part of moving from fear to faith, and that's kind of what this is today, is realizing who you really are in Christ. It's not me that says this. It's God who says this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we are more, we are hyper-victorious. So when you feel fearful about something that you're to move into, an area of your life that you've prayed over, you have a peace about, and there's still fear there, you can say, Lord, I'm going to trust that you've made me hyper-victorious. I'm an overcomer of this thing. Or when hardships come against us, there is a way out, okay? So the Lord defined the true Gideon there, even though Gideon couldn't recognize who he was. And that's why I say he also defines you and me. And when we start understanding our identity in Christ, it helps us to realize the inheritances that are ours. The faith, the hope, the joy, the love that are part of what we receive after we receive the Holy Spirit, which is the down payment of our inheritance. 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, when I am weak, I am strong. When I began to realize how weak I was, then I began to really understand how strong God is. And I still realize how weak I am. As I was putting together this sermon this week, I thought, you know, that old thing comes back about, you know, you need to really prepare a home run. I don't need to prepare any kind of home run. I need to be prepared and let God speak to us with what he wants to say to us. And, but we just so easily and quickly get our own selves mixed up in the, in the, in the task at hand. Gideon, God was saying, Gideon, your weakness is God's strength. Gideon was weak and the God, God was strong. Judges 6, 13 through 16. As you see, we're just going through all of this. 13 through 16, read with me. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why are all these things happening to us? Can you amen it if you've ever said that to the Lord? Amen and amen and amen. So often I'll say, Lord, if you really love me and you'll never leave me or forsake me, then why do I feel like the way I feel? And I've even said these very things. I've said, Lord, you took the Israelites through the Red Sea. Why aren't you doing things like that anymore? And it's kind of funny. Gideon had the same argument. He says, Lord, if the Lord is with us, why is this happening? And where are all of his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. They had kind of delivered themselves into the hands of the Midianites through the choices and the decisions that they had made to follow false gods. But I have found myself, I mean, seriously, y'all, pleading with the Lord, saying, Lord, I just want to see miracles again like the Red Sea parted or to see people delivered. And I know y'all have done, done the same thing. And I think there's miracles all around us. We just fail sometimes to open our eyes to them. And to really realize that, that God is doing great things even today. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go, go in this might of yours. And you shall, what is the might of his? The might of his is believing that the Lord can do whatever he's going to do. And you 
and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So there the Lord is telling Gideon, Gideon, I'm sending you. And Mark, when God sends you to something, he will equip you. When he sends you, he will prepare you. And I know that Brother Darrell can say this, having set up clinics down in Guatemala. When he puts you to the task of something, Darrell, he enables it and he empowers it. Amen? He really does. And you often will see that things fall into place. I've seen this congregation grow in 2021. I thought about it. Wasn't through any effort of mine. 2021, it's like suddenly we're double the people in here. <laughs> On Christmas Eve, there was 89 people sitting here. I didn't count them, but I think Ken did or somebody. And so the Lord is doing this work. Not me, not Scott. Larry went away uh, one, day, one Sunday. Scott was here the next Sunday. God provided for us when we couldn't figure out what we were going to do ourselves. We were, we were that day that Larry and, and I talked to Larry this week. It was a sweet time. We had talking and sharing that day. We were leaving for vacation. He goes, hey, guys, I'm gone, you know, and I got the sweetest text from Audrey and from Mike. I think it was Audrey that sent it that said, don't worry about this. God has this. The exact same thing has happened to us. And over and over, God shows that he's faithful all the time. And then when things in 2021 Seemed like they were getting too busy for me. And I couldn't do this anymore. I said, Lord, you're just going to have to help me. And I meet this funny little engineering guy who draws all kinds of funny pictures, according to Devin, at men's Bible study over at Scott's Welding Shop. And it was Larry. And God called Larry then here to work beside us. And I can't think of anybody more complimentary to me. And so it's like God brings who he wants in his right time if he sends you he will equip you. He has sent you to this ministry. He will equip you. Okay? And not only will he equip you, he will empower you. If God is, is equipping you, as I say, he will empower you. And how does he empower you? By his own presence that lives within you. That deposit of the Holy Spirit. When you came to him, y'all, that is almighty God living within you. Is that amazing or what? And that, therefore, God plus you and me, God plus anything, is a majority. And there's nothing that he's going to send you to that he's not going to equip you and empower you. When I will fear, I will trust in him. When I will fear, I will trust in him. Then Gideon says, my clan is the weakest. He said to me... and. What did I say? But he said, my clan is weakest, Lord. How can I go and beat the Midianites? I'm the smallest of the small. And we're going to see that God takes this bigger number and whittles it down and whittles it down and whittles it down. And why is God whittling it down? So he gets the glory. So he ends up beating the Midianites and everybody understands it. They never mistake it with their own tactics, with their own number of troops. His grace is sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, whose strength? God's strength. It is made perfect. That means it's completed in our weakness. Guys, it's a wonderful thing when you realize you're not God. Amen. Think about that a minute. When you realize you don't have to figure it all out. 
I had a rabbi tell me that one time. He says, it's a wonderful thing when you realize you're not God. And I thought, wow, what a relief. I'm not God. Well, stop acting like God because I'm not God. You're not God. We're not God. What a relief it is as a church when we don't have to think we're God. Therefore, most gladly, I boast in my infirmities. Paul's saying, I can boast in the things that are my weaknesses. You can boast in the fact I'm prone to depression or I'm prone to this or I'm prone to that. Because in, his, in your weakness, he can be made strong. Therefore, most gladly, I boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. This doesn't mean me run around and go, woe is me. But we can say, Lord, greater you. Greater you, Lord, and, and you, greater is, in, is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you're discouraged, you just claim that over and over to you. You say, Lord, I am going to believe that you are greater than Satan and all of his principalities. And you can stand on God's word. When I say stand on it, I mean that's where you put your hope. You say, Lord, I'm going to believe that you're good. I'm going to believe that you have a purpose. I'm going to stand on your word this year, and I'm, I will not be moved. That's why we sang these today. You know, I love the songs that Sandy selected today. Because they're all about, you know, when everything assails me and when it comes against me, I'm not going to be moved. And not because I'm stubborn, not because I'm a stubborn Scotsman, but because my feet are planted on the rock that's Jesus Christ. That is why this year in 2022, we don't have to be moved. Y'all follow me? We are not standing on shifting sand. We are standing on the rock of ages. Hallelujah. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Paul understood that everything was going to come against him. That all of hell would pour out against him. And he said, and when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That, what he's really saying is when I realize my strength is from the Lord and nowhere else, I'm at the end of myself, then it's all going to be all right. Judges 6, 17 through 24. How does he then prepare for battle? He spends time with the Lord and engages in worship before him. How much time have you spent before the Lord? I am so delighted because on January the 1st, I guess that was yesterday now. It seems like so long ago. In the early hours of the morning, it was 430 I was awakened, and I sat there, and I thought, I want this year to start out on my knees. I'm not saying this to bring glory to myself, but I slipped down by my bed, and I just said, Lord, I give this year to you. Give myself to you, Lord. Use me for your glory. Lord, I'm weak, but in your strength, I'll be strong. You know, that's what it means to worship the Lord, and then you can hear his voice as you, as you come before him and worship, and that's what we see Gideon doing here. Back in Joshua, they kept going back to Gilgal. And I remember that one Sunday, Pastor Larry did a communion for us. He says, guys, it's just time to get back to Gilgal. Gilgal's where they would always go back to repent once again, to get right with God, to say, Lord, we're your people. You're our God. And get things squared away. They kept going back to Gilgal. And we can go back there. You know, Lord, I've strayed from where I should have been this week. I've been disobedient. Lord, I want to be an obedient servant. That's, that's what I call going back to Gilgal. It's a readjustment of our perspective. That's what it really is. It's seeing, yielding, walking, and submitting. It's getting back there and just say, Lord, 
I want to look at your word. And some in our congregation have problems reading God's word. And they've learned the joy of listening to God's word. You know, all of our smartphones now can sit and read the Bible to you. So if you can't read the Bible, then you can have your phone read the Bible to you. <laughs> That's pretty amazing, isn't it? <coughs> and then we learned this verse last year, uh, way back last year, a couple of weeks ago. Casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. We went and made a home visit to Janie, uh, Pastor Larry and I did. He said, oh, Pastor, I'm so glad that I've learned this year that I can cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. Amen. Guys, put that in your heart. Let it jump off of the pages. Let it become of who you are. You can say, Lord, I'm at the end of myself. I don't know what to do with this problem in my life. I know I love you. So, Lord, I'm going to cast this before you and he, because he cares for you. So, Judges 6, 25 through 27, uh, this is the end of this now. Judges 26, 25 through 27. Now, it came to pass the same night that the father said to him, the same night that the Lord had said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of the seven-year-old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and he did and did as the Lord had said to him but because he feared because he was afraid he feared his father's household and he feared the men of the city too much to do it by day so he did it by night. We're going to kind of end right there today. But he was afraid once again of his father's household and the men of the city. And I thought about that. What is your father's household? It's kind of like those that are closest to you. Sometimes when a person comes to know the Lord, maybe they're the only believer in their family. And they can feel persecution. Or maybe they're in a group of people and they feel, you know, others uh, are going to condemn them and this kind of thing. I would say to you this year, Go before the Lord in worship. Go to him seeking. Seek what God would have you do. And then don't fear those close to you. Maybe listen to them. If you come with some scatterbrained idea, one of you all, and tell me about it, I'm going to tell you, that doesn't sound like the Lord. Measure it against God's word. Amen. And measure it against the Lord's word. But that, that's those that are closest to us. And the men of the city is that's fearing the, the world out there, what the world's going to say. It's time to not fear the men of the city any longer. To speak boldly, to live boldly, to live righteously, to be who we are called to be in Christ. That's what we're going to do in this congregation in 2022. In 2022, worship and make this your motto, I will not be moved. I will not be moved. Come what assails me, I will not be moved. Come wind and rain, I will not be moved. I mean, oh my gosh, what an incredible song this is. I'm just going to read it. In his love abiding, I will not be moved. So where is it that we're not moved? When we're abiding in his love. Amen. In, in him confiding, I will not be moved. When we're trusting in him, we're not going to be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters. And I think of those beautiful pecans down on my creek. All right. I will not be moved. Though the tempest rages, that means when the storms of life come, I will not be moved. Because on the rock of ages, I will not be moved. Just like a tree 
that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. So this year, let's start off memorizing this together. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. I want to be able to come up to you and say, what does Psalm 56.3 say? When I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. That's not a very long memory verse. When I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And when we begin to do that, we will understand Jeremiah 33.3. All right. The Lord's inheritance to us guys in 2022 is that you are mighty men and mighty women of valor. That is the message today, not because the preacher said it, but because God said it. Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. That means Yahweh is his name, okay? Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. That is the promise for 2022. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this piece of your word today to see what we see in the life of Gideon. Lord, we want to just begin this year remembering you, the sacrifice that you made for us in, Lord, what we humans call communion. Lord, it's your supper. And so, Lord, we just uh, ask you now to minister to us through this. We just pray and thank you, Lord, for this, that when we are afraid, we're going to trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the Lord then invited us to take communion with him. And as it discussed uh, before, this is a covenant. And a covenant is a one party uh, writes the covenant, and the other party is then uh, asked to agree to the covenant. He has no say in, in, the, in the structure of the covenant. So the covenant called the communion is something which God has has decreed and is for us to come into agreement with. And in this covenant, he says, I am the bread, the living bread. And he's asking us to partake in that relationship with him. And I'd encourage you to go home and read Matthew chapter 5, uh, excuse me, John chapter 5, where he talks about him being the living bread. And the significance of it, how Father sent manna down to, to the, the Hebrews in the time of Exodus as, as a symbol of, of a foretelling, a foreshadowing of what it was going to be when the Son comes and becomes our Savior, our living bread. So as we partake in the communion today, I ask you do hold, the, hold this cup, hold the wafer, don't, don't uh, consume it until... I speak one more time about the significance of this of this uh, piece of bread, this waiver. So, with that, I say, uh, Father God, we thank you for the fact that you sent your living bread to us, your manna, Father, called Jesus Christ, and that we have the privilege of partaking in this relationship with Him, a reminder of who we are in Him through this thing called communion and thank you father for the fact that your son was willing to come and, and break his body for us to be able to allow us to come back into relationship with you i pray this in jesus name michael amen well 
we we're, we've come today to, to participate in um, the Lord's Supper, and it's it's something that the Lord Jesus instituted uh, the night in the upper room with his disciples. He he said that this is just it's a celebration to deliver us from sin, to deliver us from sin by his death. Begins our new life, just as Passover, which they were participating in that night, delivered them from slavery. We we and we get to participate in life, uh, life-giving uh, ordinance of His blood and His body, and so that's what we've come here to do today. This, you know, Paul mentioned that um, we're not to do it unworthily. Well, it's not something that should keep us from God. It's something that should show us that we, we're desirous of more of him. It should actually cause us to run to God, not to run from God, but to run to him. And I, I think those are such encouraging words uh, because none of us feel worthy, but it's by Christ's blood Amen. that we're made worthy. So this morning, remember that as you, as you enter into this new relationship, uh, Faber said, uh, I, I thought was so, so good a while ago. He said, let's begin our new year in a commitment to God, and and in in a in a way, let's let's allow our hearts to kneel, let's allow our bodies to kneel. More importantly, let's let our spirit kneel to the presence of God. So please come forth. And again, just hold this until we can, can uh, take bread together. Devin, get some passage to the worship team, please. It's important, as the uh, pastor was uh, sharing with us today and leading us in understanding that we're, we're not victims, we're victors. And Gideon had to be reminded of that fact. And it's just, uh, this is just part of God's reminder to us who we are. We're not part of the world, but we're part of the kingdom. which holds the wafer and hold the wafer in your hand.
Amen. So, Father, uh, you said this is my body. So in, in union, would we just break this right now, just as Jesus did for the Last Supper? Break it and realize that we've just broken the body of Jesus Christ, now partake and take And now let's partake in the rest of the covenant, and that is the, the symbol of his blood that he shed for us, the, the blood which covers our sinful body to allow us to be in the presence of the Father. As we sit here right now, we're sitting there beside the Father in, in Christ Jesus. Would you please strengthen us in remembrance of him? Father, Right now, it's come to you and not a partial surrendered heart, Father, which we get so guilty of, but in a fully surrendered heart and a fully surrendered spirit, Father. On our knees before you, Father, we ask this be a year where we learn how to love you as what you've commanded us to do with all of our heart, all of our soul, mind, and all of our strength, Father. So we have the capacity to love and forgive ourselves. It was Gideon's problem. He just didn't love and forgive himself. And for the abilities of being able to love our neighbors. Our neighbors are sitting around us right now, Father. And we ask for this to be a year, a year where we go forth, become a stronger family, stronger because we're stronger in Christ. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we uh, sing, I just want to say in your bulletin, it said to pray for uh, Daryl Stratton. He had a, before the holidays, had a growth that appeared on his pancreas. And you've gone and it's it's no longer there, right, Daryl? So let's praise the Lord and, and grateful Amen. that hallelujah. God just took that cyst hallelujah. away or whatever it was and it disappeared. So Amen. hallelujah. About you can scratch it off the uh, bulletin. Amen. Uh, I'd like, <laughs> we have one deacon here today, Deacon Jimmy, if you'd come, a couple of you guys take up the offering while we give the Lord the offering of our voices, amen. Amen. Brother? God bless you and happy new year. How many reasons do we have? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name, sing like your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, the time to sing your songs again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, tenderly singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. 
sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never before, O oh my soul I'll worship your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing, your name is great and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship your holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship your holy name. Yes, I will worship your holy name. I will worship bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up